Thank you for joining our broadcast today at City Life Church. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. Please take a minute to send us your story at info at citylifechurch.cc. And if God has used this ministry to touch you in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially to help us bring God's word to other people. You can go to our website at citylifechurch.cc to find the giving options that works best for you. Now in today's message, Pastor Tony will be delivering an encouraging word that we know is going to touch your life. We pray that you listen with expectation, believing that everything you need from God, he's going to do it. Enjoy today's message. Matthew 5 and 8 says this, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Anybody desire to see God in a greater way in this next season? I love what the King James says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. We talked last week as we started this series that heart disease in America is the number one killer of people. They call it the silent killer because many do not even know they have heart disease until it's too late. It goes undetected, but there are issues and battles happening within them that they are unaware of. Many times that's how it is in our spiritual journey and in our spiritual heart. There are enemies that are battling us and warring against us that so many times lie undetected. But I'm not talking about the muscle in your chest that is the size of your fist. I'm talking about the core of your being that causes you to live, laugh, love, fear at times, and even get overwhelmed with anxiety. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It determines the course of your life. I want to speak to you today and next week about enemies of the heart. Enemies of the heart. We're going to talk about guilt and greed and anger and jealousy and pride. And all the antidotes that are given in the word of God that help us combat these enemies that would try to not only cloud our heart, but destroy our life. You see, if these issues are not guarded and the heart is not guarded, trust issues begin to set in. We have trouble trusting people and allowing ourselves to be trusted. Insecurities begin to rise. Fear and anxiety begin to drive us. Worry begins to cloud us and cause us to live a heavy life. Doubt creeps into the places of our heart that have issues. We seem that we live in a hopeless situation. And at times we begin to make poor decisions. And even at times, our destiny can be derailed and spiritual death can happen. But in these areas, we find that it's simple in all of these. There's a a common denominator and a common thread. And really the issue behind all of these issues, it's the debt-to-debtor dynamic. It's when you are in debt to something and something has a noose around you. That's why it says that we are not to be in debt to a lender, not just in your finances, but in anything and every area of your life, because it becomes a noose to you. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Anything that you're indebted to has control over you. Anything that you're in debt to has influence in your life. So Jesus said, as you have been released, 
release others. Release those things that seem to grab hold of you. And the first one we're going to talk about is guilt. Somebody say guilt. Guilt, it's the spirit of I owe you. I owe you. You feel guilty about what you've done or the things you've allowed to happen. You feel like you need to apologize, and at times we need to do that. Sometimes a simple apology goes a long way. But guilt is not that you have not apologized. It's that you're living with the heaviness of it after you have apologized. Even after God has forgiven you, you're still living with the weight of the guilt of your situation. And many times we live with the reality of our circumstance. We're living out today what we did in our yesterday. And those are the consequences. But sometimes we live with the guilt of what we've done, not only the consequence of what we've done. And when you carry the guilt of it, it's not God's plan. It becomes an enemy in your life. It becomes a spirit that hovers over you. Jesus said this, I've not come to condemn you. I've come to save you. Condemnation and shame are not from God. When you live under condemnation and you live under shame, those are not a kingdom principle that God has called you to live by. Now, he will speak to you and convict you and his Holy Spirit will tell you when things are not right and when you need to make things right. But once you ask God to forgive you, see, there are two things that will relieve you of guilt if you allow. First is confession. The Bible said we're going to confess our faults to one another. We're going to confess our sins. Now, you have to watch who you confess to. Not everybody needs to know your business because some people like to take your business and retell it in a way that was not told to them. Anybody ever had that happen? They like to make your story bigger and badder and worse than it even was. You've got to watch. And even people you've wronged, you don't have to tell them everything you've done. Now, if you feel like you need to go to them, you don't have to go to them and say, you know what, I've talked to everybody in town about you and told them how bad you are. Oh, really? Thanks for letting me know that. Sometimes you just need to go and say, I've done this and I'm sorry. I've hurt you and I'm sorry. I said this and I'm sorry and just leave it at that. But then you need to repent. Not only confess, but repent. Repent is to turn and go the opposite direction. Sometimes we confess but not repent. I grew up in a pastor's home and we said our prayers every night. And it was almost that we took the sin bucket every night and made sure it was empty before we went to bed. Anybody done that? Lord, forgive me of all my sins today. The problem was I filled the sin bucket back up the next day. I just emptied it at night so I could fill it the next day. That's not what repentance is. Repentance is you throw the bucket out the window and you go the opposite direction. And we all struggle with this because we're human. But in our heart, when we carry the weight of guilt, it causes repetitive cycles to take place in our life. But when you understand that 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and will forgive our sins here it is, and purify us from all unrighteousness. He said, I'm not only going to forgive you, I'm going to release you, I'm going to purify. Matter of fact, I'm going to justify you. I'm not even going to remember it. And when you carry the weight of it, you're carrying a weight that God does not even carry because God says, I've forgotten about it even though you care. The problem is you look in the mirror, I look in the mirror and I remember and I see the scars of my yesterday and I see the, the things that I've allowed in my life from my yesterday. But God says, if you will allow me and you will confess it to me and you will repent of it, I will justify. You can let it go. Somebody say, let it go. 
when you let it go, what you're doing is releasing yourself and you're not carrying it around. And as the Holy Spirit convicts you, repent. As he speaks to you, repent. Confess it and repent and go on. Don't carry the weight of sin that's already been forgiven. That's a good word for somebody. Not only guilt, but greed. Greed is an enemy of the heart. When you are greedy, that just doesn't mean that you sit around and hoard money. Now, there are people that are greedy with their money, but greed is a spirit, and it will control every aspect of your life. When you think about greed, you may think of Ebenezer Scrooge. That's what comes to mind, but greed is much more than that. It's an I owe me mentality. I owe me mentality. I deserve it. I'm owed it. It's a spirit of entitlement. It's where you think you deserve it and you're owed it. And I'm telling you, it will shipwreck you because greed has the ability to cut you off because people that walk in a spirit of greed, they're just a reservoir where God has called you to be a conduit, where God wants to not only flow to you, he wants to flow through you. But people that have a spirit of greed, they only allow God's blessing to come into their life, where God wants to flow through their life. And when you realize that God wants to take that greed and demolish it, because you can't live in an I deserve it mentality, or I'm owed it mentality, or I'm entitled to it mentality. Here's a few signs right here that maybe you're dealing with a spirit of greed. And you're struggling in this area. Greedy people talk and worry a lot about money. Greedy people are not cheerful givers. They're grumpy givers. Because they give out of obligation rather than a spirit of blessing. Greedy people are reluctant to share. Greedy people are poor losers. Greedy people quibble over insignificant sums of money. Greedy people talk as if they have just enough to get by. Greedy people often create a culture of secrecy around them. Greedy people won't let you forget what you've done for them. Greedy people are reluctant to express gratitude. Greedy people are content where they are with what they have. Greedy people attempt to control people. Greedy people are self-centered. They think of themselves before they think of others. Greedy people have a sense of entitlement. Greedy people do what's best for them first. Greedy people get upset when other people get in their business and handle their things. Nudge your neighbor and say, he is preaching to you. To-. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. You know, I heard a story about a mother that was cooking pancakes for her two sons. Kevin was three and Ryan was five. And she was cooking pancakes and they got up early and they were very hungry. They started fighting about who was going to get the first pancake. The mother looked at the situation and thought, this is a teachable moment. She set her boys down and said, you know, Jesus, you know what he would do? Jesus would give his brother the first pancake. They listened. And Ryan looked at his brother and said, you can be Jesus today. (laughs) You know, really, that's the spirit of greed. We want everybody else to be like Jesus. We want everybody else to be those who walk and bless others. But God wants you and I to live in a spirit of generosity. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 says this. Here's how the writer steps. He says, remember this. He said, write this down. It's very important that you take note. I've said a lot of stuff, but if you've got anything, get this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. 
Each of you should give what you have decided, here it is, in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And what is, and that God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Here's what it's saying. He said, what you sow, you are going to reap. But when you have a right heart, and you sow in the right way, with the right spirit, God will give you what you need at the right time, for the right place, for the right thing. You will not have to fight for it. You will not have to strive for it. Greedy people are always striving but generous people they walk in the blessing of the kingdom why they are a conduit God is flowing through them and not just to them and that's God's plan for you and I that he would work through us see I want you to understand that guilt it is an enemy of the heart greed is an enemy of the heart but also anger is an enemy of the heart it's that thing that lies on the surface and at the right time it sticks its head up why it's because it's a you owe me spirit You've hurt me, you've wronged me, you've betrayed me, you said this about me, and you owe me. Really, we're owed nothing. We all live by grace. If we got what we deserved, we would all be punished for our sins. But we have a spirit of grace that's working. And when you receive grace, you need to give grace. But anger causes you to live in a spirit where you feel like you were owed. You owe me because you did this. You owe me because you said this. You owe me because you hurt me. And what happens is this anger that that at the beginning of the journey probably was innocent because the Bible said in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 6, we can be angry and sin not. I love how the living Bible says it. If you are angry, do not sin by nursing your grudge. That's good right there. Do not sin by nursing your grudge your grudge. Don't let the sun go down with you still angry. Here it is. It's a good word for somebody. Get over it quickly. Get over it quickly. Because when you let the sun rest on your anger, it settles in your spirit. And I've been there before and it gets rooted in you. And before long, you begin to bury it. And we think the more dirt we put over it and the more we bury it, the more it will hide itself. But here's the revelation. The more dirt you put over it, the dirtier you get. The more you filtrate your life with all of this stuff. And what was innocent in your life in the beginning where you were the victim, now you are the prisoner and you become captive to that moment, and now that anger is turned to hurt, and before long that hurt turns to cynicism, where you begin to look out of that hurt with a jaded perspective, and before long that hurt is now bitterness, and before long you become vengeful, and you think you have the right to get back at people and hurt people because you have been hurt. You feel like you have the ability to hurt others because you have been wounded, but God says vengeance is mine. I write the last chapter if you will let me have it I will justify you I've always got the last word he said I'm the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end he said I am the author and the finisher of your faith this is what that simply means God is writing the story of your life he said I start the story and I finish the story if you feel like you can write the story better here's the pen if you feel like you can walk out the story better go for it but I want you to understand 
understand if you will give it to me, but if you allow it into your heart, it will derail the story that I've got for you, and it will derail the purpose that I've got for you. There are more people derailed by anger because you're a ticking time bomb waiting to happen, and at the right thing, the minute that it pushes your button, you explode. Have you ever been in a moment, all of a sudden something came out of you, and you thought, where did that come from? Why did I say that? I never thought I would respond that way. I never thought I would chase somebody down in my car because they cut me off. And I forgot I had a city light bumper sticker on the back. I heard about a guy, a friend of mine, pastored in Lubbock, Texas. He rolled up to a red light and the guy before him sat there at the red light. He honked the horn because the man had a honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker on his car. So he got behind him, he honked the horn a little bit. The guy gets out of his car, walks over, bangs on the window, says, don't you see it's a red light? He said, sir, I just saw your bumper sticker. The guy said, oh, you're a Christian too. That's anger right there. That's when it's down in you. And the littlest thing brings it out of you. And all of a sudden, the barista at Starbucks gets it. Your family gets it. Those around you, they are the recipients of it. Because you are just waiting to explode. And you don't even know why. Because you buried it deep inside you. And it may have been last year. It may have been a decade ago. It may have been 20 years ago. And you just kept burying it over and over. And now it's become an enemy of your heart and where God says I've got a good plan and I've got good stuff but there's some issues we need to deal with if you let yourself carry all this guilt if you walk in a spirit of greed where all you do is receive and you never give back or you live in a spirit of anger it will derail your life and eventually you will implode because you have a heart disease and it's killing your spiritual journey but I've got good news Jesus steps in and said I am the great physician I've got the antidote for anger and it's peace it's peace beyond understanding it's peace beyond your logic it's peace beyond what you know Jesus told his disciples he's getting ready to leave them and he said I'm leaving my peace with you and then he said this not as the world gives it because the world gives it to you then takes it back it toys with you you're happy one day and sad the next but my peace is going to go beyond understanding Jesus was talking to a jacked up group of disciples. They were messed up. We talked last week about Peter's journey and how one day he was up, next thing you know, he's denying Jesus. Over and over, repetitive cycles with Jesus, but not really seeing Jesus. Because when your heart is messed up, you have trouble seeing God. You can be around God, you can come to church but never really see him. He was with Jesus, but never really understood over and over. And in Mark chapter four, we find that Jesus tells them after the church service, thousands of people in attendance, Jesus says, get in the boat and let's cross over to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him in the boat just as he was and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling with water. But he was in the stern asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and sea and said to the sea, Peace, be still. 
and the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the winds and the sea obey? Here's what happens. They're in a great multitude. Faith is high. Miracles are happening. I'm I'm telling you, attendance is off the chart. They are growing. They get in a boat and it's just a handful, just the family. Because sometimes it's easy to have faith in this room. But when we get in the car and go home, things change. Because we're back in the real world dealing with real problems. The Bible said Jesus declared, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. We've got an appointment on the other side of the lake. In the middle of the journey, a storm came. The Bible said so bad that was, what was on the outside of the boat was getting on the inside of the boat. And what is on the outside of you begins to contaminate the inside of you. You begin to sink. Finally realizing that they can't find Jesus and the boat is taking on water. They get upset. Most Bible historians will tell you that it was Peter because Peter was always the first to go talk to Jesus. They say, Peter, you need to talk to Jesus. You know, he was always the first one. He walked, he found Jesus, woke him up and said, do you not care that we are about to, are you crazy? This boat is about to sink and you are sleeping. Jesus jumps up and says, peace under the wind and the waves. They settle down. And then he looks at the disciples and said, Have you not had faith yet? We just left miracles. I told you we have an appointment on the other side of the lake. Where is your faith? They marveled at who he was, but yet they really could not see it. Why? Their heart was conflicted. They had issues in their heart. They had things in them. They were going through these cycles of life. But there was something that happened in Acts chapter 12. The Bible said Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with chains before the door, and they were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. Here's what happens. Now, Peter, he is being led to prison by 16 armed guards. You know God is working for you and working through you when the enemy has to surround you. 16 armed guards take him to prison. They put one on each side of his bed. He's not in a holiday inn. He is in a prison. And all of a sudden, he lays down and begins to rest. Now watch. This is the same man that woke Jesus up in a boat and said, Do you not care that we are perishing? But now Peter's heart is right. He is full of the Spirit of God. And he had understood a principle on that boat. When you understand that your assignment is bigger than the circumstance, and your assignment is bigger than what you're walking through, and your assignment is bigger than the battle and your assignment is bigger than this moment you can rest in God when you understand that God is working for you in spite of what you're walking through you can rest knowing the angel shows up to deliver Peter it was on the night he was going to be before Herod going to be accused tried and executed and the angel shows up wakes Peter up and says, it's time to go and the Bible said Peter woke up and the shackles fell off why could Peter rest in that prison why is it that he could sleep in that prison 
prison because Peter was never bound to a prison. Peter was really never locked in shackles because the Bible said he that the son has set free is free indeed. I believe Peter would say like Paul, I am the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I can sing at a midnight hour. That's why I can declare from the pulpit of a church. That's why I can be content wherever I find myself because God is the author and the finisher of my faith. In 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7, Peter would write this, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Now watch this. On the boat, he said, don't you care that we perish? Don't you care that we're about to see? But all of a sudden, the peace of God explodes and it silences the fear. It destroys the anger. It releases the guilt. It drives out the insecurity. And Peter learned he could sleep in a prison. Matter of fact, he had a revelation. You can give it all to Jesus and he can handle it. You can give it all to Jesus and he can take it. Here's the revelation of it. As long as you are carrying fear and anger, as long as you are being pounded by guilt, as long as you are walking in a spirit of greed where you're holding on to everything and God cannot bless you, your heart will be contaminated. But the minute you begin to give it to him, the minute you begin to rest in him, the minute you begin to look at him and say, you are the author and the finisher of my faith. You are my alpha and my omega, my beginning and my end, my first and my last. Once you release it to him, he begins to work and you begin to rest. Come on, jump to your feet this afternoon. You know, that story about the pancakes was funny. But it's really a reality. Because so many times we want everybody else to be like Jesus. What would Jesus do? It's more than a bracelet. It's more than just coming to church. Because here's the reality. Watch this. They're at church and everything's good. They get on a boat when it's just family and life's a wreck. Really, the condition of your heart is not gauged when you're in this room. It's engaged when you're in your personal journey. When you're by yourself. When you're with your family. When you open your mouth. Because we have all learned behavioral modification. We learned how to behave in public. You ever got those reports from your kid's teacher? And they tell you how wonderful your kids are? And you're like, wow. Can you move in with us? Because we learn behavioral modification. We learn how to control ourselves in these settings. But it's really in the settings when it's just us, just our family. Where these things surface. Watch this. They're in the multitude and it's all good. Miracles are happening. The minute they get on the boat with just the family. Fear rises. Anxiety sets in. A battle begins to take place. And Jesus jumps up. And he speaks peace to the wind and the waves. I believe he was showing the disciples what I'm doing with these winds and these waves. I'm going to do in you. I'm going to cause the raging storm that's in you. Peter, the storm that's raging in your life, I'm getting ready to quiet it. Mark, the raging storm. John, the insecurities you have. Thomas, the doubt that is crypted. I'm getting ready to quiet it. I'm getting ready to cover it. 
I'm getting ready to release something in you. And I'm going to work in your heart. And you're going to change the world. So get ready. Get ready. But this is what happens. He said, if you want to carry it on your own and you want to write your story, go for it. But if you will let me continually write every step of the journey, oh, you may encounter some storms. There may be seasons you take on water. But if you keep a right heart and you keep a pure heart, you'll see me in every the reality was this. God was on the boat. The master of the wind and wave and the storm was on the boat. Peter finally had that revelation. And he said, oh, I'm in a prison. I'll just rest until God delivers me. I'll just rest until he makes a way. I'll just rest until he opens a door. I'll just rest until the storm passes. I'll just rest in God till a new season is declared. I'll just rest until God does a work. I'm not going to fight with this season. I'm not going to battle with this season. I'm just going to keep a right spirit. I'm just going to keep focused on my assignment and let God work. And all of a sudden, God sent an angel and the shackles fell off. Some of you, God says, if you'll let me work in your heart, shackles will fall off, doors will open, and you will find rest in the most weary places. Thank you again for joining us for today's broadcast. Our prayers that it ministered to you and it changed your life. If there's anything we can pray with you about or God has used this ministry to touch you in any way, please send us an email at info at citylifechurch.cc. We also want to invite you to be our guest at one of our Sunday or Wednesday worship experiences. You can find our times and locations on our website at citylifechurch.cc. You can also download the City Life app on your smartphones or tablets for more online messages. It was great worshiping with you today, and we'll see you next time.